With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Pod Pina, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend, Sports Illustrated senior writer, young Dickie Maltesante himself, Chris Herring. Chris, before we begin, do you remember when we talked about potentially starting a Sopranos rewatch pod on your very first episode of Open Floor? Um, I-, I wanted to quickly just let you know that I'm binging the series all over again in honor of The Many Saints of Newark's recent release. And just want to say, if it's not too late, like I'm ready when you are to start that podcast. Um, hopefully you-, you are also down. I'm very much down, but I, I feel like it would be very weird if I take Dickie's character instead of the character that's actually got the same name as me, uh, especially, you know, Chris. Oh, that's but, a great hey, call. That's a great call. It, 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 is, it is what it is, but, uh, but I'm down. I feel like I might be biting off more than I can chew to, to <laughs> dig right back into that series as the NBA season's starting, and I've, I've got a class to teach at Northwestern, but hey. Somebody, if, if you clear it with our bosses and they know that's why I'm not turning in my stories, cool. You have clearly more important priorities than I do. Um, <laughs> you have a book coming out. You're teaching classes. I'm just on my couch, shirtless, with a wife beater, watching Tony Soprano eat ice cream, and I'm living the best That's life what Tony Soprano was doing most of the I time, know. too, so you're all good with that. <laughs> in full Tony Soprano form. Exactly. Um, So we have a lot to get to on today's show. But first, a quick shout out to all of our listeners for sending in fantastic emails this week. Please keep them coming in to openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. In this episode, we're going to preview the upcoming season um, by answering some of the questions from the NBA's annual GM survey that uh, the great John Schumann over at NBA.com puts on every year. Uh, Before we get to that, I want to hit... Yeah, John is the best. Um, Before we get to that, though, I want to hit a couple emails. Um, The first is from Ethan, who writes, 
Hey guys, I've been loving the mailbag episodes you've been doing. My question is, what players who are possibly not in the league do you see getting picked up at some point later on this season? I'm thinking Iman Shumpert or Gerald Green. Best regards, Ethan from Las Vegas. Um, I Before I throw it to you, Chris, I'll just say that like I love this question because it allows me to speak about... Uh, I guess wonder aloud why Isaiah Thomas isn't currently on an NBA roster. Just I personally don't understand it, and uh, I'm going to throw it to you and let you kind of give a name or two that that that's kind of on the tip of your tongue. But I want to I want to circle back and, and talk about Isaiah in a second because it just it doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not going to lie. Sure, um, I'm going to go with Wesley Matthews, which I know that he had a. Um, oh, that's a great that's a great call. That he, I understand that he he didn't shoot particularly well last year, but he still has utility and you know is a a pretty good defender. Obviously diminished on that side as well, but still he was starting from such a good place, and he had shot well the the years before that and played with contending teams before that. So I think he's just kind of a plug and play guy. The other guy that I think about a lot that I don't necessarily think he'll end up in the league again this year, but Miritich played pretty well. He had that really brutal series, and then he just literally left the country and granted he's not from this country anyway <laughs> but i was like damn dog you didn't shoot that bad like somebody will have you uh you know and he was with the contending team at the time is a stretch a stretch um you know front court player like he mm-hmm. he has a place in the league if he wants to be i don't know what his contract situation is but like he could be in the league still speaking of him um, the gm survey i think he was number he one was on for best player who's not in the nba See who's yeah. So that's that's a great call by you. Um, can we talk about Isaiah for like two seconds? Do you do you sure. kind of agree with me in the sense that it's just kind of like am I being too uh, aggressive here in not understanding why he's not on a roster? Or like I look at like some teams that have roster spots right now that I think could use him, like. You look at even the Brooklyn Nets with the situation with Kyrie Irving. You look at the Sixers with the situation with Ben Simmons or the Nuggets with Jamal Murray, who's out for an indefinite amount of time. Um, and I, I just don't understand. Like, he, like you're telling me Eric Bledsoe is better for the Clippers than Isaiah Thomas would be or um, why Isaiah Thomas couldn't be on the Bucks, or like I think DJ Augustine is on a roster right now I don't I'm not sure what team maybe I get that wrong but like I, I just don't get why IT isn't in the NBA right now I I always think this whenever I'm like I could be a GM you know why I might fill the job <laughs> or maybe why I would excel at it I don't know because I'm like you in that sense like I, I understand why he's not mm-hmm. I understand that he's got shortcomings as a player they're blatantly obvious what they are sure height, you know defense what have you um and that he might not ever be as fluid as he was again you know as far as where he was at years ago before his injuries and his surgeries and stuff like that but I would struggle with the GM role I think because I I have that question a lot of times where I'll go back and obviously I focus on numbers a lot it's not the only thing I pay attention to I feel like if someone's moving poorly you can see it but mm-hmm. you look at basketball reference pages or their synergy pages or their advanced numbers and you're like they're they're still doing a pretty decent job like and their numbers aren't so so far off from what they had been in the past like Matthews is a good example of that where he certainly slowed down a little bit but my thought is whenever you're able to help a contributor be a contributor to a winning team 
in that role. And if you're shooting poorly, but you have a pretty good history of shooting well, that I'm always a little bit surprised when those guys are 32, 33, and they're just gone completely. And that's kind of what you're looking at with certain guys. Uh, so I wouldn't be a good judge of talent, clearly, because I kind of feel like when I look at Matthews, I'm like, I was trying to figure out when I was listing people who aren't on teams that will be acquired later in the season, I was like, I'm sure someone has him. And I just don't remember which team he's on. I was like, nope, he's not on a team. So, you know, it's interesting that they're not. Maybe he's holding out for a certain situation. Maybe he thinks it would be better to sit out and wait. I'm not sure what his scenario is, but I'm surprised he's not out there. And Isaiah, we've been watching him do these open runs, scoring up, you know, 9 million points on people. I get that that's not the NBA, but he was such a great scorer before that you'd feel like maybe he gets a little bit more of a chance. Yeah, he's four or five years removed from number five, I think he was fifth in the MVP ballot in 2017 like one of the best offensive seasons ever I know that obviously as you said the surgeries the defense it's all kind of knocked him off his, his the perch that he was on but I just you're not like there's not 450 guys in the world better than him at basketball or like putting the ball in the basket um but real quick, like Iman Shumpert, who Ethan mentioned in his email, I was watching Dancing with the Stars with my wife earlier this week, and she, she was like, uh, Iman Shumpert does this tango or whatever they do, the salsa, and she's like, how old is he? Like, why isn't he still in the league? And I said 35, <laughs> and then I looked it up. He's only 35? 31 years old. I was Where like, did you get 35 from? I, I just assumed because I was like, why isn't he on a roster? I, I know he's not like the greatest player of all time, but it's just like, damn, 31. And he's just on Dancing with the Stars already. Like this dude was on a title team like three, four, five years ago. I, this is just a hypothesis because I think he's good enough to be out there as, as a defender, if nothing else, and a guy that can knock down an occasional three. Um, I feel like there's a different set of rules. You remember when Willie Cauley-Stein was coming out of college and there were all those really stupid Maybe not stupid, but like to me, overblown concerns. Oh, this guy actually likes to do things other than play basketball. Right. And I feel like there's one set of rules for that if you're Damian Lillard, um, or you know, if you're Shaq or you're Kobe and you have a rap career. Yeah. Um, versus like if you're Amon Shumpert and you're, you know, probably somewhat more of a fringe guy uh, that you do TV, that you rap, that you have Dancing with the Stars and all these other things. Like how much other interests you have outside the game uh that you know the, the way that people tweet i really hope gms don't think this way but the way people tweet where they're like oh uh you should be in the gym working on that jump shot or you know ben simmons you're not allowed to watch tv until you can make 65 percent of your free throws uh and then i wonder if to some extent if gms think that way too with guys that are like fringe level guys that they feel mm-hmm. like could be a bigger part of the rotation if they didn't have as many off off the court interest. So I don't know, but Trump, I, I mean, I remember the first year that he was really out of the league and I was kind of like, how did that happen? Because he's very talented at certain things and he's still young enough and still athletic enough. So who knows? Yeah. And our producer Shelby is letting us know that, uh, Iman Shumpert has a reality show on E the e network. And I, I did not even know that. Um, I did know that because of him, him and his wife between that, I watched the, of the shows that I do watch and make time for, uh, he was on the shy this past season, but he's, okay, he's yes. married to Tiana Taylor. Uh, he was on the shy all season. He had a really, in the, in the finale, had a really kind of messed up last scene. Not that he did anything that was, I mean, it's acting, but uh, I was like, oh, how dare he? Maybe he doesn't deserve to be in the NBA based on what he's doing in the show. 
ruining ruining one of the characters. But anyway, um, I, I don't know. I do wonder to some extent if there are people that are of that opinion in the league that, that actually are decision makers in the league that they would prefer for guys not to really have that many outside interests if they're not the star of a team. I don't know. I, uh, not- I would hope that that's not what it is. Yeah, I was not expecting so much Iman Shumpert talk off the top, but um, it's your fault. We, you set up this I, podcast. You're you're right. You're right. It is my fault. Okay, our next email <laughs> is from um, Andre, who writes: "I'm a longtime listener from Brazil. In the last pod, as you were ranking team rebuilds, you spoke about the impact of sheer luck in the trajectory of NBA teams. This brought back bittersweet memories of the Brandon Roy, Lamarcus Aldridge, Greg Oden era." For my beloved Trailblazers. Shout out to you, Shelby. I know you're a big Portland Trailblazers fan. Apologies for this email. Um, recently, I read about their record playing together, a whopping 50 and 12. So I was wondering, what do you guys think are the most disappointing examples of what if teams in the history of the league? What teams did not live up to high expectations, whether it was because of bad luck, bad fit, or any other reason? Um, thank you so much, Andre. That's a wonderful question. Um, for me, the first team that popped into my head was just the Oklahoma City Thunder trading James Harden nine years ago yep. this month. Like That's just like the most obvious. That was the first everything. one on my list, too. And I wrote this. Uh, I wrote the cover story for SI's um, NBA preview issue, and it was about Trey Young and the Hawks and kind of the Hawks as this young team. Um, that's trying to put everything together and build on last year's momentum. And during my interview with Nate McMillan, when we were talking about the need to sacrifice minutes and shots and touches as a young player, he brought up Harden like immediately. I don't think this quote was made the story, but he just brought up Harden. It was yep. like, yeah, like Harden was just like, if we have a, a, a James Harden here, I don't know if we do, but a guy who's super talented, who's just like, I want my own team. And that's something that as a head coach, like I can't do anything about that. Like, he wants his money. He wants his minutes. But there's not. There's only so many minutes that go around, and so it's nobody's fault. But that's the first team that popped up, and then um, the other one, real quick, and then I'll let you throw a few out if you have any, Chris. Um, just like the the process era Sixers, like from the beginning of Hinky to now, and it's like you look at the drafts and the trades, and like. Assuming Ben Simmons does not ever play again for the Sixers, which seems likely, it seems like if they do trade him, they're not going to get Dame Lillard or Brad Beal back. And it's like, if Joel Embiid suffers a serious injury, God forbid, like, what is there to show (laughs) for that whole thing? It's like, they got nothing. So um, that's Mm, a big just what if across the board you've got Fultz the Tatum Fultz trade you got even just like Mikhail Bridges trading Mikhail Bridges away um Jalil Okafor instead of Porzingis which you know whatever but that's a pretty big whiff um uh and obviously I'm not saying that they shouldn't have drafted Simmons but how that all played out has been a total disaster of late so that's that's another one that's I'm just like things could have gone much differently here it didn't have to be so bad yeah, no, that's a good answer. I, I, that's an answer I had not thought of, quite frankly, because like you said, it, I think it probably requires one more thing to go wrong before you can really say that. But, mm-hmm. you know, Joel Embiid is not the healthiest, you know, has not been the healthiest NBA player, NBA star over the last few years. So it's, it's certainly feasible that it could happen. Um, I started with OKC as well, which I think they're, they're the biggest cautionary tale there is. Anytime you think of OKC, 
Um, and I think even you bringing up Philly, where you think of a team that has two surefire young stars, and then it's like, oh, well, um, maybe something goes wrong, and it's not the case. Orlando with Shaq and Penny come to mind as the idea of not getting it done before um, you know before that situation kind of blows up. Um, a team that I thought about, which is probably just because I was more local to it, I guess I was living in New York, but it was still something I paid a lot of attention to. Those Bulls teams with Rose and Noah, um, oh, I, I don't know that you could say that they were like definitely going to win a title. You can't. But I think they had the best record in the league for two years in a row. And you felt like nothing was really going to stop them from being in that conversation, that they lost to LeBron in the first year once they had that team formed. But then they went and they upgraded a little bit. They'd been injured that whole year, the, the next season, including a lot of Rose injuries. Um, but then they, I think when you look at it, so one of the things that prompted this question was the Roy Aldridge-Odin thing with how great their record was when they played together. And I remember that was the year the Bulls had Rip Hamilton and Boozer. And it literally felt like, as someone that watched a lot of Bulls games, you'd watch a game and they'd always have three or four starters, but never all five. And when Mm -hmm. they had all five, they were basically unbeatable. And I went and looked at it. It wasn't quite as many games as I remember, but they... This proves the point that I'm saying is that they never had all five guys. They were 13-2 and two when their starting five played together that year. They just never played together. And even when they had four of the starters, I think they had like an 800 winning percentage. They still had the best record in the league, even with a starting lineup of just 15 games, that they had their full starting lineup. They still finished with the best record. And Rose looked really good coming back from all that time off. He came back right before the playoffs started, and then he tore the ACL right away. And... That part to me is is you know something that I think about a little bit is would they have been able to catch Miami at some point had it not been for that and um, I guess we will never know the answer to that question. Derek Rose was like you know I'm watching these Ja Moran highlights right now in the preseason and I think Ja's going to have a breakout season he's just going to be fantastic but like it really reminds me of just how ridiculous Derek Rose was like. I think people are sleep. Maybe people sleep a little bit on just the early parts of his career when he won MVP, youngest player in NBA history to win MVP, and there's been a lot of stuff in his life since then that hasn't been great. But athletically, just he was on another level. And that year that he tore the ACL, the first time I remember watching that, I was watching it. I wasn't really covering the league full time at the time, and. Um, had, you know, emotional investment in the Boston Celtics and was just like, you know, the Celtics are not going to do anything this year because there's the Heat and then there's the Bulls. And I thought the Bulls were the best team in the NBA that season. And when he went down, it was like, damn. Because I I thought that the Bulls were, honestly, I thought that they were going to win the championship that season. Like, he was just so good. And they were stacked. Like, Joe was in his prime. Luol Dang, great team, great team. They were better than they had been the year before. I mean, they basically had reached a point where, to some extent, it felt like their bench was their second best player after Rose, but they had really solid, like they just fit really well. And, you know, it felt like Rose had gotten better. Um, he wasn't going to win the MVP again because he'd been out, but he, he'd gotten better. And the team just felt like they had a rhythm that was really nice. You know, I don't know. I, they, they might not have ever won, but I, I kind of felt like Miami got a little bit of an easy path by the Bulls not being there anymore. Yeah, so that's that's a really good call. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. 
Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Now I want to uh, I want to jump in. You know, we teased this at the top of the show. Uh, uh, John Schumann's annual NBA GM survey, which I love every year. I think that sometimes it's kind of clear that uh, you know GMs aren't losing sleep over how they're filling out these this thing, even if if, if they are filling it out <laughs> at all, which I'm a little uh, you know dubious of sometimes. But there were there are always questions in here that I I love and I find fascinating. So I I plucked a select few out, and I'm just gonna throw them to you, kind of rapid fire, and we can go through them. And I think this is a really fun way to just you know take a broad look at the NBA, where everybody is, and preview the 2021-22 season, which is like basically starting tomorrow if it hasn't already started. <laughs> um, so. I mean, the first. Let's start just like super big picture and um, anticlimactic, but just like who do you think is going to win the finals this year, man? Like it's it's. I thought that the Nets are like I would say the Nets are the clear team for me, but I can't say that they're that clear if this Kyrie thing is going to be. Can anybody? This Kyrie thing. Yeah, I don't know that anybody could say that. Um, I'm gonna go with the Jazz. I am. I. Uh, Whoa! I was not expecting that. Why Love are you it. always like this, man? Like I feel I like I say, I say that I think that Philly will finish in the top three, and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa! They were the best <laughs> team last year. The Jazz had the best record last year. Did change their damn roster? Like it's not, it's not that surprising that 
maybe to win the whole thing, it's a jump. Certainly, it's not the same thing as saying that you think they'll finish with the best record. I think even in the survey, there were a pretty decent chunk of the GMs that said they thought the Jazz would finish with the best record in the West. Yeah. Um, I just kind of feel like it. they addressed the things that they – and I've said this on our pod before. I felt like they quietly addressed the stuff that really messed them up in the playoffs. And whether that's enough to get them all the way over the hump or not, we'll see. But they certainly addressed that. I think Whiteside will be something that we'll have to sit and watch. Will be a day by day process. But um, they have, I mean, they have enough offense, in my opinion. They, you know, they have. They're going to have one of the best defenses, if not the best defense, this year. Um, it'll be interesting, and they have small ball fives now that they can roll out. Mm-hmm. Just you know, and I, I, I use. I had this in my story today. Um, about just kind of breaking case of emergency, I feel like Rudy Gay and really Eric Pascal. The fact that I, I want to say those are two small ball fives that played well against them, and I, I'm always curious about whether GMs make moves for guys that really make life difficult on their own teams, um, or if that makes it more apparent to them that I've got to get this guy. But the fact that they went out and got two guys like Eric Pascal kind of is like a diet version of Rudy Gay, you know, in terms of like the way he's built, the way he well, I guess he's probably a little bit stronger than, than Rudy Gay in terms of the way he looks. But, you know, size-wise, skill set, relatively mm-hmm. speaking. Um, and the fact that they literally got two guys that kind of have the same situation, so to speak. Um, they were clearly aiming to fix that particular problem. And I, I think that they did it. And I think that they're already really good to begin with. And so the idea that they'll be the, the one seed and potentially win the whole thing, to me, is more my having questions about the Lakers and having questions about the Nets, quite frankly, um, and and just the Jazz kind of being status quo and fixing the stuff that we knew to be problematic for them. I love that pick. Um, I I am genuinely surprised by it. Um, I think if I'm being hot takey, real hot takey, the team that I want to pick real bad is the Los Angeles Clippers. What? And what? <laughs> I want to hear why. I demand the, an explanation, sir. Okay. I thought you were going to say the Lakers. I'm like, that's not a hot take. No, that's not a hot take. I don't. I don't. I, you know, they could win. The Lakers could win. I don't, I'm not picking them. Um, no, of course. Yeah, that wouldn't be a hot take because they could win, and I think most yeah. people would acknowledge that they could. So acknowledging that I, you know, I would not put a dime on the Clippers to win the championship. I like a lot of the things that they did in the off season. I like their continuity. I like. Uh, the fact that Kawhi Leonard signed that long-term deal as opposed to the one-and-one and then explained why he did it in that he thinks he can there's, there's less pressure on him to kind of come back and he feels like he will come back. If he signed the one-and-one, he would have not come back um, and played this season. You know, if there's anybody, any star, actually, I guess Giannis is probably the other one because like, I thought his knee like snapped in half and then he came back and had the greatest finals ever, but... Kawhi is the other one where it's like you have a serious injury. Everyone's kind of just saying that you're out forever. And the man is also kind of like a Terminator in a lot of ways. So it would not shock me if he came back in April at the very end of the regular season. And they have like the they're like the fifth seed or something like that, which I think they could do. I think that's that's possible with the, the roster that they have, the coaching staff that they have. And then he comes back and eventually looks like the guy that is a top five player in the world. So that's that's the case for the Clippers, and I'm not saying that's going to happen. If I had to pick a team, I'd still pick Brooklyn. 
but that's my case for the Clippers and just me being ridiculous. It, that I mean, it, it, certainly, if 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 your thought is that Kawhi can come back and contribute in a Kawhi sort of way, then then sure. I don't think that's a hot take. I think it's more a question of can he? How does he come back? How does he look? And how much time? How much runway does he have before he comes back? Um, you know, or not before he comes back, but before the games matter more, and you know, before you throw him into the fire, which. Having written my book, uh, the Knicks brought Ewing back after a really horrific injury same season and tried to bring him back in the second round when he hadn't played for like 138 days. And it was mm-hmm. it was rough, you know, trying to go up against those old Pacers defenses, um, trying to nurse, a, you know, a, a, a shattered wrist, you know, come back from a shattered wrist. So it's different with Kawhi. You know, I don't think he fully ruptured his ACL or tore his ACL, which is helpful that he's not starting from ground zero with that. So it's, it, it's yeah, in theory, he could come back. And if it's if he's anything like his Terminator, Kawhi, self, it's, it's more than feasible that he comes back, I think. Yeah, okay, so let's jump around a little bit. The next question I have for you, Chris, is, this is my favorite question, actually, out of all of them. I'm just going to say right now. If you were starting a franchise today and could sign any player in the NBA, who would it be? You, you want my answer to it? Giannis. It's Giannis. Um, which, again, like maybe I'm just kind of taking the, the obvious answers here. The best team record-wise, the guy that just won the, you know, two out of the last three MVPs and just won the title. Um, but he's, what, 26? Is he 27 yet? Did he just turn 26? I can't remember. I mean, but he's got years until he turns 30. The, the thing that we're holding out from, for, for with him is the idea of, you know, can he develop more of a jump shot? Can he get more consistent from the line? Even if he doesn't, if this is his floor, good luck with that, you know, in in terms of trying to stop me. We now see how you go about building a team around this guy. Um, You know, I think the interesting question for a lot of people that I don't think we've ever really come out and asked, there's no need to ask it since they just won. Could they have won this title without getting Drew Holiday if they just kind of held on to Malcolm Brogdon? Mm. And instead of locking in with Bledsoe like so I don't think it has to be this particular team where it's just the perfect storm of these guys I think if you had another really solid guard that can kind of play up or down a position or what have you um, you know and I think that Drew Holiday is a little bit more talented than Brockman certainly but um, like I think that they could have won this with a couple different guys like if they'd gone out and gotten Chris Paul and Chris Paul had gotten healthy you know if they had been a suitor for him and been willing to go into the tax for him I, you know, I don't think it was just this team. Giannis is just so good that I think you probably could make this work with multiple guards, uh, with multiple iterations of this team. They did it without a starter. You know, they won this title without one of their starters being healthy, without him playing. So <laughs> I, 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 I would feel really good about building a team around this guy. Like, he is pretty indestructible, as we saw with the knee. So I, I, would, I would pick Giannis and not really lose any sleep over the idea of picking him. Giannis is like a... Yeah, that's a bulletproof answer there. Uh, turns 27 in December. Just look that up. Uh, so you're getting, I don't know, like six, seven, maybe eight more like really good years out of him. And there's always the possibility of him becoming a league average three-point shooter at some point also, which would just oh take him God. to a different level. Um, yeah. So that's that's a wonderful pick. I'm not... I don't think that that's wrong. I don't think there's any wrong answer here. I am going with Zion Williamson. uh, And I have a stat for you, Chris, because I know you love stats. Um, 
there are 94 players who, in their second season, averaged at least 20 points per game. 94 in NBA history. 20 points per game. Zion last season, it was his second year, averaged 27 points. Um, had the highest uh, field goal percentage, effective field goal percentage, true shooting percentage, two-point field goal percentage, um, out of all 94 players by a decent margin. Wow. Um, so he did that, obviously, during the weirdest one of the weirdest seasons ever. Um, he did that with a lot of minutes next to Steven Adams, a lot of minutes next to Eric Bledsoe. Um, very little spacing around him, as we talked about it on the show ad nauseum. Um, his defense, obviously, is his defense, and I would assume and hope and pray if I were to build around him that that would get better at some point, or we could we could hide it a little bit in the playoffs. That's obviously not a question for Giannis, um, which is why you you chose him. Um, <laughs> but just offensively, like I I don't know what his ceiling is. It's but it's like historic level stuff when you just compare him. And I know all this stuff because I'm, I wrote a piece about Zion that should be published next week about the potential of a third year leap that is just absolutely scary and completely changes everything about the NBA. And Beyond maybe the leap I am, he took in year two, Ooh, that would be scary. Yeah, as well. right. <laughs> yeah. So if he, you know, there's a lot of areas of his game that can still improve. That there's no reason to believe that they won't offensively. And just watching him evolve um, on a team that now has a little bit more three-point shooting, I think he's just an absolute nightmare. There's no answer for him. And having him on my team, like, during his prime, let alone, he's right now he's 21 years old. So I, I'm all in on Zion, and I'm not, I, I, I also understand there's, like, the injury stuff, and that's really worrisome yeah. to me. Um, but I don't care. I, I'm going with Zion. I'm not going to fault you for doing that. I mean, he was certainly someone I thought about. The And I think whenever you and I podcast, I feel like that's generally where you and I disagree a little bit. We did the top 100. I took Giannis and I cited health. <laughs> you know, we're doing this. I thought about Zion. I would say that health is one of the reasons I would probably hold him out. I, I don't have doubts that he can get a lot better on defense and will get a lot better on defense. With that athleticism, we've seen what he was able to do at Duke defensively. Even with Towns, somebody like Towns, like when you see people that can do that on defense at the college level where they're just that much more athletic than other people, you you tend to feel like they can make it work defensively or they can get a lot better at some point if and when mm-hmm. they just decide, I'm going to get better at this, and they can. So uh, I don't have that concern. It's just health for me. Was there anyone that you would have between Giannis and Zion? Like obviously there's there's Luka, there's maybe Tatum, Probably Luka. there's Trey. Luca, yeah, probably Luca's the guy that I that I think about. I mean, um, I I don't think I've ever said this on this podcast. My dad, when I went to high school, there was a guy that I grew up with named Julian Wright, who was a lottery pick um, with the I think with the Hornets at the time when they were in uh, New Orleans and Kansas. He went to Kansas. He went to Kansas. He was all American in Kansas. Yeah. Okay, and, yeah, um, yeah, I remember. So he was uh, he was a friend of mine and a kid I grew up with, played high school ball with. And my dad would always tell me, and I, I never told Julian this, but maybe I did once. My dad never saw why people hyped Julian so much. He was like the best player in the state of Illinois, which, you know, Chicago's got a long history of really, really talented high school players. And yep. so he's Mr. Basketball here. And my dad was like, I, I know he's good. I mean, obviously, he's the best player on your team, but I just don't see it as far as how people are talking about the idea of the NBA for him and all this other stuff. Then my dad watched him play at Kansas 
And he was like, now I see it. Because he was playing with y'all, and y'all weren't that. It, we were really good, first of all. We were really good. But he was like, y'all weren't n- anywhere near his level. And so it kind of took me being able to see him with other guys that were of his caliber and of his status where he was throwing passes that you guys weren't in position for. Um, he was just a step ahead of you guys, like more than a step ahead of you guys. Mm-hmm. And then when he played at Kansas, I saw it. So I think about that a little bit with Lucas sometimes where he makes his teammates better. But if he had better teammates, like if we would think about him differently and if he would be the answer to the question of who you would want to start a franchise with. Um, he's not on a bad team, but he just doesn't have that many other guys that are anywhere near his level. And it makes me wonder a little bit uh, how much more positively. I think he's. most people would love to start a team with Luca, but I think in order for him to kind of be that firmly in the conversation where you'd rather have him over Giannis, he probably has to show a little bit more, or his teammates have to show a little bit more just to feel like you can clearly win with him. He still hasn't won a playoff series yet, which isn't really his fault, but um, it's hard to kind of say you'd rather start a franchise with that. you know. So we'll see. I, I think he'd probably be in that conversation somewhere as well. Yeah, I agree with all that. Um, do you remember real quick? I don't want to like blow up Julian Wright, but he, the there was like the every time I think of Julian Wright, there was like the breakaway windmill dunk, and he just like blew a tire. Yeah, and yeah. I'm, maybe I shouldn't be bringing. I don't mean to. I think it was against yeah. Colorado, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I don't mean to be rude to Julian Wright. Shout out to Julian Wright wherever you are. Um, he's my boy. Okay, I'm going on him like that. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Good dude. Yeah. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... 
Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Okay, Chris. So, uh, which team, next question, which team will be most improved in 2021-22, in your opinion? Chicago. Um, we've, we've, we've talked about this one a little bit too. I know you and I agree with some elements of it, maybe not all of it. Um, I have not gotten a chance to watch them yet. Um, I've been really tied up all week with just trying to get a, a lot of stuff done. So I haven't watched much preseason yet, but I've got, you missed TV the Alex stuff. Caruso double, double. Yeah. Yeah. And people here were talking, <laughs> I mean, my phone was blowing up. You would have thought that, I don't know that. I feel like the first time my friends saw me on national TV with Sports Center or something, they were blowing up my phone. You know, you would have thought I had a, a ninety-point game on ESPN or something. It was just a, <laughs> a Sports Center hit. That's the way my phone was blowing up the other night with how they looked on offense with my friends that are Bulls fans. And um, just one game, you know, not against a, an all-world opponent or anything like that. But I think what we were talking about, what we've been talking about, is like, look, you don't have to love the Bulls and what they did this offseason to recognize that they're going to be a really good offense if they're anywhere near healthy, like they Mm -hmm. just are going to be. And, um, you know, the questions about their defense are fully fair and and completely fair. Um, But I also think that the Bulls – I saw a stat the other day. I was like, that can't possibly be true, that they've got – do they have fewer wins than any other team since since they traded Butler away? Um, I saw Ricky O'Donnell, my former editor at SB Nation, tweeted that, and I did not fact check him, but he would. I didn't know. either because it it almost doesn't sound right, like because they've they've been horrible. Uh, that's strong. They've been bad, but they've never been like downright horrible. And I feel like everybody else, I feel like they've been so horrible at one time or another that you would just assume they had to have been worse. But they have been consistently like a lo- a high twenties like low 30s win team and they didn't get to play in the bubble so they didn't get to accumulate more wins like like a team like phoenix would have for instance so mm-hmm. it certainly could be true but the fact that we have to debate it and the fact that it may very well be true because you saw the stat as well like holy hell like they don't have to do much to improve and they're if they have an elite offense that would be an improvement above the idea of like they'd be elite at something i think they had a top five or top six defense once on maybe one of those boiling years, but that you know they'll be they they should be good. The fact that we're talking about them being like even if you think they'll be a seven or an eight seed, if you think they're going to be in the playoffs, that's more definitive than we've been able to be about them for years at this point. So I think they'll be improved. And I feel like of the teams that you look at that could improve, I know you've talked about Boston a little bit, and I think that's a completely fair answer. But I kind of feel like Chicago has more room to improve just because of how bad they've been the last few years. So real quick, I just looked this up, and Chicago does have the lowest winning percentage since Jimmy Butler was traded. Uh, 33.9%. Yeah, they have six fewer wins than the New York Knicks, um, playing one fewer game than the New York Knicks. So that's tough because you got Cleveland down here. You got Detroit. You got Orlando. Phoenix, as you said. Cleveland won more games than them? Like, I'm I'm trying – because that's such a wild stat to me. I'm like, wait, so – is that because is that mostly because of LeBron and like maybe LeBron had one last season with Cleveland before you know? One, but even yep, if, there was one last season, yeah. So then that's why. Otherwise, I was like, there's no way Cleveland's won more games. But 
even if that's all it is like that the bulls have had better rosters than cleveland for most of that time and the idea that they would be that much that's an insane statistic but that tells you like how irrelevant they've been um or like relevant to where it feels like they're okay but they're still worse than cleveland um so yeah, they 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 I think their room to improve is just so much more massive than a team like Boston or or anything like that. You know, if that would be your answer, a team like that, I think that Boston will improve. But I think that the Bulls just have way more room too. So I'm not going with Boston. I like your. Okay. I, I listed four teams here, and I did write down Boston, but they're more of an honorable mention. I do think they'll be okay. better. They were 500 last year. I think they'll be a lot better. Um, I'm going with the Minnesota Timberwolves, and it's I like along it. this. Yeah, it's along the same philosophical rationale that you had where just a team that's been very, very bad for so long, I think, will make a a jump. Like, I think that they will compete um, in the play-in. I don't know what seed or anything like that. I think they will make the play-in. I think Towns will have a big year. I think adding some of the pieces that they did, like, like, I just love the Patrick Beverly signing. Me too. And Patrick Beverly, you know, gets hurt a lot, and he's not the youngest guy in the league, but I just love what he brings um, to the locker room, his personality. They just haven't had guys like that for a really long time. And they were the young, I believe they were the youngest or like one of the like second or third youngest teams in the league last season. Um, I love Anthony Edwards. I love Jaden McDaniels. Um, I, I just, I think they're so talented. Um, D'Angelo Russell is now at the point where he might be a little underrated with just people writing him off as good. Um, he's like a pretty good player. <laughs> I mean, like he's not, I don't, I think that, you know, the max contract and everything is not doing him any favors, sure. um, but they have a lot of talent and, you know, if they're excellent on offense and even, you know, 16th, 17th, 18th on defense, which I think is possible with That's Chris Finch, who's just like a really smart them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sure. The questions, defense, and rebounding, and all that. But I love the head coach there. They have a a, a really respectable mind there. So I, I think that they're going to make a a big jump. Um, so that's the team that I'm kind of looking out for and really excited I to like watch. That pick. I like that pick. Yeah. Okay. So along the same lines of of that question, I think a little bit is uh, which team has the most promising young core in your opinion, Chris? You know what? So I. My answers today have been boring as hell. I'm just going to be real. Um, I, at one point, was going to go with Phoenix. I was like, that's cheating um, to some extent. But you've got all those guys that you think of as being younger guys. I mean, Booker is 25. So Booker, if that starts to get outside of the range of where you can talk about, like, young core, so be it. But, like, I just think that, you know, Chris Paul kind of made us stop thinking about the fact that's still a really young team. Sure. Obviously, Bridges is a young guy. Um I guess Bridges is older just because he stayed in school for, you know, handful of years, but Book Aiton and Bridges are all young. So like I feel like you could talk about them. I still think I would probably go with Atlanta though. Um just because That's they've got pick. guys up and down that roster that are just so young and, you know, we'll start to think of them as not being as young now that we've seen Trey on this stage. The same way I feel like people will probably have that thought about Luca and other guys like that is like once you've seen them get there a lot, you start to forget how young they are. I mean, the fact that Giannis is only 26 is an example of that. The fact that he's only a year, year and a half older than somebody like Booker, but um, you forget about it the longer they've been on the stage. But 
you know, Atlanta's still got a ways to go in the fact that this was their first playoff appearance and that they got to the conference finals two games shy of a finals and that they're going to bring back some of the young guys, Hunter, um, Reddish, obviously. And then they, they went in and drafted a lot of young guys too. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they make all that fit, how they manage the roster as far as playing time with so many young guys, how they balance it out with the bets. Um, and if everybody's able to stay healthy, because I kind of feel like one of the things last year that both hurt them, but also was helpful in some ways, um, obviously from a winning standpoint, it hurt them to not have certain guys healthy. I felt like all their, their key signings got hurt at one point last year, whether it was yep. Rondo, Gallinari was in and out of the lineup, Bogdanovich was in and out of the lineup, but I also felt like it simplified their rotation a little bit to have some of those guys out because they needed minutes for all these young guys. And you, that's a way to find the minutes as certain guys are out. So it'll be interesting this year, like if there's a little bit of a log jam, uh, just because they've got so many young guys that need the playing time. Yeah, that's basically what my my cover story about the Hawks was like all about. Like one of the central themes was this need to sacrifice. And as a young player, who I mean, Nick Van Exel had this great quote um, in the story, telling me that when you're in the league, you care about three things in this order: one is playing time, two is money, and three is winning. So that's kind of a little troublesome and an uphill battle for the coaching staff and for some of the veterans to continuously preach the need to seed touches for the greater good, seed minutes for the greater good. But these guys are all trying to establish themselves. And you have DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, and they're they're 22, 23-year-old players. And at the same time, um, they need a second all-star, like one, at least one more all-star. Um, so are you going to get that through a trade? Are you going to hopefully develop one of these players to become um, maybe not as good as Trey, but alongside him in an all-star capacity? Uh, like, I don't know. That's just an open question. I mean, I asked so many people in the organization about it. Do you believe that there's a second all-star on this team? And yeah, everybody hesitated except John Collins, who was like, I am that guy. And I was like, you are <laughs> right. the absolute about biggest right. legend. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Sounds about right. But that was the that was always going to be the, the the hard call to make about whether you throw a max at him or not. And I, I think it was like a little bit shy of that in terms of what they gave him. But how do you money. max out a guy that you aren't sure if he's an all-star? And, uh, I mean, I know statistically everything about his production says you max him. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I'm not sure where you would put him as far as where he ranks among fours in the league but like if you're not clearly a top five top ten guy and it's not clear how much more you're going to grow in that regard how much you even can grow statistically in that regard if you're playing with so many other mouths that need to be fed so it's their situation's fascinating the fact that their owner just straight up said there's a pretty good chance we don't bring all these guys back it also is interesting by the way that they did bring most of them back uh that that roster is pretty similar to what it was so um, mm-hmm. But the fact that you, it's very rare that you have an owner just straight up saying that as the team goes so much further than anyone expected them to. But I think it speaks to the dilemma that they're going to have at some point when they've got to pay Hunter and you're going to have Herter and you're going to have Reddish. Some of these guys are not coming back at some point. And um, so it's a big year for them for sure. Yeah. Bogey has a quote in the story that's basically that. Like, we know everybody is not going to be able to stay here and we just have to, like, can't waste any time. Got to win right now. It's a fun-ass um, game of Survivor. 
to watch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I think we're in agreement there. The Hawks have the best young core. Shout out to Atlanta. Everybody go pick up the uh, Sports Illustrated NBA preview issue, which is on newsstands October 14th. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. So here's a question that I thought was obvious when um, I first saw it, and then I, 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 I sat down and I started to process it, and I was like, actually, this is really difficult for me to figure out, and I don't know the answer at all. Um, and that question is, which is the best t- defensive team in the NBA this season? And I think the Lakers were... F- were the Lakers one number one two years in a row, or just... I know they were number one last year, and then the year before that when they win the title, they're they're just like defense is everything that they are all about, um, so they might as well have been number one. But I don't think the Lakers are going to have a great defense this season. I think you agree no, with I don't me either. there. Yeah. So who is the, like, what, who's the best defensive team in the NBA going to be? I, I think it, statistically it'll be Utah, but in reality and the way that we think about it and look at it and the way it feels, I think it'll be Milwaukee. Um, I think that particularly Milwaukee's starting five will should be really, really good. I think getting DiVincenzo yeah. back will be really helpful to that effort. Drew is a, a menace. Uh, Giannis is a menace. I think Middleton's not the easiest guy to have to go up against. He's not as good on that end as he is on offense, in my opinion. But 
it's just a really, really great unit. I mean, you got Brooke out there, um, and their their system works. You know, for all the things that we were kind of bitching and complaining about with with Bud system, their defensive system has always been pretty solid. I think it struggles and is stretched pretty in a way that's uncomfortable when they have to play Brooklyn. But I think that's true of anybody's defense against Brooklyn. Um, you know, their bench I'm not as in love with. I think it's kind of piecemeal as far as their defense. You're going to have Bobby Portis out there. Last Rodney year you had Bryn Forbes and Rodney Hood and stuff like that. It's, it's not going to work all the time. But I think if you're looking at starting fives and the guys that will play the majority of the minutes and guys that more or less are healthy and in the lineup, give you that cohesion. I think Milwaukee's defense, whether or not they finish as the best defense in terms of efficiency, I'm not sure. You know, but I think as far as their their main group, I think Milwaukee's defense will be the best one. That's a good that's a good pick. Can't really quibble. Um, I'm going with the Celtics here, actually, and mm. I just one of the reasons why I was so high on their offseason was what they did for the defense and um, essentially replacing Kemba Walker with Al Horford in your rotation is a step up. Um, you anticipate. Uh, a, a, a little bit of a jump from Robert Williams, assuming he can stay healthy. You have Marcus Smart, you have Jason Tatum, you have Jalen Brown. You bring in Josh Richard, Richardson, who um, a couple of years ago was just one of the better on-ball guys in the league, just an absolute hound. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, when he wants to be, is a pretty good defender on ball. Um, so I just I love the lineups that they can play, and if you just watch them a little bit in the preseason, and I don't I don't put too much stock in preseason stuff, but they switched, like, I mean, the Celtics have switched in the past with like-sized lineups, but they were switching uh, quite a bit in that game that I saw in Orlando on off-ball with discipline. And so if that is their mentality and they're going to just have that strategy um, and they're able to execute it, that scheme, I, I love the size, I love the length, and there's a lot of intelligence there, a lot of continuity, so... I got to go with Boston. I'm not going to lie. I think their defense is going to be great. I like that pick, though. I mean, it's, um, it, it's kind of the, the opposite of what the Knicks fans probably feel, where they were – I mean, it was Christmas Day for them getting rid of Alfred Payton as Knicks fans. Um, uh-huh. And for Boston fans, as far as the defense is concerned, losing – I, I don't know anybody that doesn't like Kimba Walker. Like, if, if, you're, if you're frustrated with them because maybe he doesn't produce the way you'd like, that's one thing. So it's not a personal thing with that with him, but as far as losing his defense and not having him on the court on defense, I can imagine Celtics fans when you look at him and you're you're able to put Marcus Smart in and plug him back in as a point guard, that you feel like it's it's probably Christmas Day from a defensive standpoint as far as not having to cover for Kemba defensively. Um, obviously, you can do some good things offensively, but defensively, you're always going to have to kind of manage him. So it's probably the same way that Celtics fans feel about that. Right. So uh, I have a couple more questions for you, Chris, that um, I find to be fascinating. And this one, I think I might be able to predict uh, your answer. And so maybe it isn't that um, intriguing for the listeners or at least for me. But who do you think is the most versatile player in the NBA? And I I say that knowing who you're going to pick, but I'm going to go with with someone else, even though I am probably agreeing with who your selection is. Yeah, I'm trying to think of an alternate answer here because you know who I'm picking because I've, I've <laughs> always, like I said, I feel like I'm sticking to the script hard. It's Giannis again for me, and I think you knew <laughs> yeah. I was going to pick Giannis. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I thought about some different people. I think you could you could at least put KD in that conversation. Um, sure. 
I, I think with the right team, you can kind of throw him out there and expect him to help on the back end. Um, you know, the, I remember that one season he was with Golden State as a complete menace defensively and was leading in the league in blocks for a while, which was insane. Uh, he was he wanted to be in that defensive player of the year conversation. I think he kind of fell off a little bit toward the end of that year. Um, and then also Steph got hurt, and then he was expected to do more. But the fact that he could just do all those things is pretty crazy. Uh, so, I mean, I think you could kind of have him in the conversation, but I think Giannis impacts the game in more ways. Giannis is a point guard. Giannis is a center. Giannis can, you know, can help. Giannis can try to take on the main role on defense, although he didn't really do that with KD. Um, Giannis can go for 50 in a game. Giannis is happy to let somebody come in and play hero at the end of the game if it's Middleton. So uh, there's a versatility there that I feel like we're probably overthinking it if we say it's not him. But I also can appreciate that you're – you're more cool than I am. You're at least going to come up with an answer outside of him just for the sake of the conversation. So my answer, I mean, the answer is Giannis. That's just like what it is. Um, maybe LeBron, but I, that's not who I was thinking of as an alternative. Uh, my 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 answer here is Bam Adebayo. And okay. I, think, I think like defensively he's already there. Like, he was switching on to point guards all of last season. Uh, he can protect the rim. He can rebound. He can he can do everything defensively, really. And so, like, there's really no question marks there. Offensively is where it gets really interesting, where all you really need for him, like, on the ball, he can make plays. He can run fast breaks. Um, he's... Uh, you know, a capable dive man in the pick and roll. Uh, he runs those DHOs with Duncan Robinson, etc. The thing for him right now is just like, can you spot up and hit a three? I think, or can you create your own shot off the bounce consistently? Those are the two things that this season he could make. That's like the area where he could make the leap, and you know. Uh, just become the, the a legitimate answer to this question uh right now without those parts of his game it's really hard to just say you know he's he's definitely more versatile than someone like Giannis but I can see him making the type of of stride the type of leap that that would put him more because um, I don't think he even received any votes for this to be honest with you and I was kind of like what but uh but he's just super versatile and kind of the, the the definition of this personification of versatility when I think about it in my head so I'm going with bam even though the answer is definitely honest <laughs> okay got you got you you hit me with more um, yeah one last question um which team is the most fun to watch I just I love this question because it really speaks to your sensibilities um, as a basketball fan, and we're probably going to do a league pass esque preview, ranking all the teams at some point down the line before the season, hopefully. But just like for you, wh- wh- who are you most excited to just just watch, just from an aesthetic perspective this year? I really like watching teams grow, so I really. I've been looking forward to watching the Pistons for a while now, which that's not my answer. <laughs> I love, and okay, I, yeah. I feel like you would probably try to check me in somewhere if I if I said if I said the Pistons for this answer. So it's not my answer, but I like I I really like watching young teams grow. I liked watching them a lot last year, and then they got the number one pick. So I'm really interested in seeing them. But I'm gonna maybe a cop out answer here. It's I think it's the Hawks again with this. Like I just think that. Top to bottom, they're really interesting. They've got a young star, superstar, whatever you want to call them. 
you've got guys that were part of the rotation but not integrated because they were hurt last year um, at key points last year that could have gotten them over the top to beat Milwaukee, certainly once Giannis was out, um, had they been healthy. So I'm really looking forward to seeing it. I mean, you, you have a full year with Nate McMillan now, which the, the knock on him has always been that his teams don't have a high ceiling. And he's got a team now that in some ways should have like a pretty limitless one given what they just accomplished. Like if, if this is their ceiling, then it's really a shame because they accomplished it in the first year. So, you know, it's a team that plays a lot differently than any team Nate McMillan has ever had before. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching them play. They, you know, my knock on them before was that they really didn't have much defense to speak of outside of Capella. And that's just not true when they're healthy, uh, when they're fully healthy. So they've got some guys on the wings. They've got a secondary creator in Bogdanovich, who's fantastic when he's at his best. Um, they've got some depth to them. So I'm going to say the Hawks. Yeah, I love that pick. Uh, Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter are both like all defensive team type of wings. They're both ridiculous. Yeah. So we haven't really even seen. Um, obviously, those guys were hurt last year in the playoffs, and who knows how far they would have gone, or even if it would have been helpful um, if they were healthy. Which is just a fun little thing to think about when you think about the Hawks. Um, for me, man, this is like a really difficult question. I have like four like tied at the top and I don't really know which one to pick but since we haven't mentioned them yet I'm just gonna go with the Denver Nuggets here okay um I love watching the Denver Nuggets like any other um rational basketball fan I think just because of Jokic and anything is possible on any play when he has the ball in his hands he's just so much fun to watch um, and so unpredictable and so precise and it's sublime. So even though Jamal Murray is out, who's also one of my favorite, just like blockbuster athletes who just like brings it in big moments. Um, there's a lot of other, you know, really intriguing qualities to this team. I want to see Michael Porter Jr. This year, I want to see him take a leap potentially, um, or at least just stabilize himself defensively and then take a leap offensively. It's like really interested to see, you know, Aaron Gordon has a training camp there. Um, he can really embed himself with the system and, and hopefully maybe even he takes another little bit of a leap there, which I think that, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're hoping after they signed into that extension. How old is that man? What is he? 27, 26? Is he that old? 35. He's 35, actually. Um, no, <laughs> I'll look it up. Keep talking. Go ahead. <laughs> but, yeah, you have Aaron Gordon. You have um, – I, I think they have a solid bench. Oh, my God. I just looked up Aaron Gordon's age. He just turned 26. That is That's insane. what I was going to say is that he's, 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 he's a great example of one of those guys that you think has to be 30. But I knew he was still in his, like, mid to late 20s. And uh, he just turned 26. Like, literally yeah, just so. turned 26 a couple <laughs> weeks ago. So he's young enough to do it. And it's interesting because I remember feeling really disappointed watching their playoff run when they just needed something from somebody other than Jokic. And I was like, you would hope that Gordon could do the step up, be you know, more of a second guy. And immediately, a, a legion of Orlando Magic fans were like, ha ha, welcome to our world. <laughs> um, and it was like so brutal. It was like 40 of them at least that said that. And it was disappointing to see that he just couldn't do it. Um, so you hope maybe a camp help was that helps with that. And I, 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 in my piece today, I mean, when I mentioned the guys that are the biggest X factors in the league this year, Porter was the first guy I mentioned just because Absolutely. I think 
particularly for people like you and me that watch so much of the sport, our opinion on him is high, but it's a lot different than other people that just look at how well he shoots and how many points he scores because he has a lot of developing to do still. Really, yep. I would say to to even just to kind of be worth the max extension they just gave him because he so far has essentially done it as like the best or like one of the best role players in the league with what he's asked to do, which is to spot up, which is to hit a contested jumper every now and then and to play some defense but not much. He's just a really elite shooter and a really elite finisher, but he's not creating any of the offense himself. He's probably like bottom 5 or 10 percentile in the league in terms of how much of his offense he creates. Now, he has the second true, highest true shooting percentage in the league among guys that take 10 shots a game or more behind mm-hmm. Durant. But again, those are other people setting him up. And so now that Murray's not there, you would love for him to be your second option, but second options create for themselves normally. So he has a lot of growing to do. So Denver is a great pick. I don't know if you were going to ask this other question that you had on our script here, which was about who's the best passer in the league. I was going to mention Jokic there. I was also going to yep. mention Courtney Vandersloot. Shout out to this guy. Um, I've basically been to more WNBA games in like the last week than I went to NBA games all of last season just because I'm so proud of my sky. And I'm hoping that they bring home a title in the next week or so. That's a wonderful place to close. Shout out to Candace Parker. Uh, yes. Truly remarkable story going on there. And Happy for her. Um, that's very exciting. So uh, we're going to wrap up there. Thank you so much to all of our listeners. Please keep sending the emails in to openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail um, at gmail.com. Uh, we will be back next week with two more episodes. And um, everybody, until then, everybody, please stay safe. And everybody, please continue to enjoy whatever's left of the NBA offseason. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, Owen oh, Two Door Cinema Club.